This week's episode of To The Top Talk is brought to you by CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com. Talking Southern Miss athletics with some pretty knowledgeable Southern Miss fans. Great place to go, unvarnished, unfiltered. You won't have to sift through the propaganda. Southern Miss fans, check it out. College Sports unfiltered.com. Hey, it's Frank Caliendo, and I'll be back in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Yes, Miss- I should have fixed this. Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, for the fourth annual Last for Life comedic event. Mississippi, of course, home of Morgan Freeman and Brett Favre. August 2nd, might have said that already, and we'll see you there. Hakuna Potato. You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Every day, anything we do is Southern Miss to the top. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey. I'm Jamie Arrington. He's Jason Bailey. Take it away, Jason. Jamie, what's happening, man? It's, it's finally good to be back on Mono uh, Mono here. You know, it seems like uh, it's, it's been a while. Well, and we have a lot to talk about today. So <laughs> if this is your first time listening, we're here to give you a break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda in the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. Check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Give us a rating and review. So we've got a uh, an episode just chock full of information, thoughts, um, rambles, uh, rants, and the like. Um, but basically, this is what's going down. We had we announced a new athletic director last week. You got to hear his press conference on last week's show. We are currently looking for a new basketball coach. Had a tough week in baseball, but we had another sweep in softball. Before we get to all the news of the week. Just got to remind you, Laughs for Life 2019, that's going to be our annual uh, cancer benefit show at the Sanger Theater in Hattiesburg on August 2nd. Our headliner this year is Frank Caliendo, uh, the master impressionist. You've seen him on ESPN. You've seen him on Fox NFL Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Also with special guest Keith Alberstadt, who's one of my favorites. So get your tickets now. Uh, they're, they're going, but there's still some available. Check it out at Laughs. Four, that's the number four, life.com. All right, Jeremy. Uh, pff, Jeremy. <laughs> I'll take it. New athletic director announced last week, Jeremy McLean. All right, Jason. Uh, the press conference last week, this is somebody we talked about on the show when we were discussing potential AD candidates. We weren't exactly sure that he was going to uh, make the jump from Troy. Not that we don't think that it's a – more solid institution than Troy, but just given the finances, we weren't really sure um, where we were at. But I, I, it turns out we we are able to pay a little more money. But two, I think this is a place that Jeremy really wanted to be, and I, I think it's a home run hire. Yeah, and and that speech, man, that, that speech that again. I was so glad that you put that speech on at the end of the last episode um, because I wasn't able to go to it or listen to it because I scheduled the Cortez interview. <laughs> Right in the middle of that, and I had no idea. Um, but man, I mean, just how many hot buttons did he hit on during that thing? Talking about everybody, you know, having to pull on the rope in the same direction. That speech just felt like a like a like a charge to arms, you know. And um, that's something that we really need. And he's also a kind of guy that that is that's from Mississippi, 
He was an athlete at Delta State. And and not only that, he as far as the non-high-resource five uh, candidates and, and non-high-resource five experience, I think, that you got to have, like, don't you think you got to be able to run in those kind of circles? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a big part of it. And, and I think he just dominated the press conference way more than the last guy did. Uh, no tears at all. And, um, and, and I could not be happier. I was like, you, I, I wasn't positive that we could land him from Troy. I'd love to say that, you know, our tradition and everything would take over, but let's just be honest over the last 10 years or so, it's, you know, it's kind of the same situation. So big pull, huge get, big props to Rodney. And, um, and I, you know, this guy's going to hit the crown run and I think he already has. So, uh, can't wait to see. Um, who he picks for this basketball coach. <laughs> and I, I asked Bill McGillis what he thought about the hire, and this is this is what he said. He said, sensational hire, smart as a whip, great vision, super likable, understands the place inside and out, wants to be there. That good, elite. So uh, definitely a super endorsement from Bill McGillis concerning Jeremy McLean. You know, it's one of those things where you, you kind of have to – Give it a little bit of time and kind of see what happens before you can really truly judge a hire. But uh, this one just has the it feel to it. Seems like we got this one right. Um, and and like we've talked, we've talked about before. I mean, President Bennett. I'm, I'm I think he knows that he couldn't afford to whiff on this one. And uh, and he and he put the work in, did the tour and the whole and, and the like, and and listened to what everybody had to say. I mean, across the country, honestly. Um, and just like I said, I mean, could not end, have ended up with a uh, with a better guy for the job. And I I, I feel lucky that that we landed with him. So now with, you got to think about you know Jeremy and then uh, Jeff Mitchell and Morrison. That those three are gonna you know they have a chance to be around for a while. And we have them all you know relatively young. Um, this could be the start of something great again. I mean, honestly. I know that term gets overused a lot, but we, we, we could we could be just uh, at the very beginning of 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 something really special with those three guys uh, kind of running the show. And I'll throw in another name. We spent some time talking to him the other day, but Brad Smith, very impressive, mm, especially when it comes time. to marketing. You know, mm-hmm. so you've got that group together. Um, I think they're all somewhat familiar with each other, and um, I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to be able to do leading Southern Miss, hopefully to the top. All right, so. Just to put this in perspective, so Jeremy McLean is announced at the Trent Lott Center on Monday, April the 8th. So now we're getting into Doc Sadler resigning. This has been a rumor for months. We heard about it a couple months ago, didn't know whether or not to take it seriously, heard that Doc moved into a rental property, and then his good friend Fred Hoiberg took the, took the job at Nebraska. The chatter really started picking up from Nebraska fans and media. Then last Wednesday, April the 10th, the rumors hit a fever pitch. The word was that he was leaving. And then an article comes out from the Sun-Herald where Doc says he is still the coach at Southern Miss. And then on Thursday, Thursday morning, he meets with the players, gives them the news. After they send out a press release, there's a small press conference with Doc and the new athletic director, Jeremy McClain. Doc denies that he's going to Nebraska, says he might take a year off, and then is announced joining Holberg's staff with the Cornhusters the following day. <laughs> so right. that's the timeline of what was said and how it actually played out. Uh, Doc basically said that he didn't really think he had what it took to be a head coach anymore. He wanted to just enjoy 
being a coach, being an assistant coach. Nebraska, is you could tell that's a place that he loved, and you could kind of tell that he was excited to be going back there. Yeah, and and I, mean, I know on Twitter, uh, <laughs> I um I, I I remember tweeting at one point that it, 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 one particular guy that he was mentioning Nebraska, and I said, well, you know, you can make a you can make a case that he never left Nebraska, and you really could. Not saying that the guy didn't try to put forth effort here, but we've talked about it a million times. The fit wasn't right. The fit wasn't great. And after five years in, you probably have a sense of that a little bit. Uh, I, th- I think back when he started wearing the sweatpants, <laughs> yeah, he might have had an idea at that point uh, that, that this was going to happen. And, and I don't blame him a bit, man. Look, this job is not an easy job. This is a tough job. We've talked about it a million times. It's not just because you got to you know listen to morons like like us talk about it, but it's, it's a tough job. It's a tough recruiting ground. It's um it's a tough place to play in. It's a tough place to fill. Um, and it's a it's it, it, It'd be more than a 24-7 job. I think it is a 20, you know, even like 24-7 job and even more than that if that's possible. So, and you know, we talked about Doc a lot on this show. Um, everybody knows we weren't his biggest fans. It's not like we hated the guy personally. We just didn't think he was a great fit here. And you know, to be fair, this season was the most fun we've had in basketball in quite some time. Totally agree. Doc really seems like, you know, if if I did know him better, he seems like a guy that I would like to sit down and, you know, have a beer with. <laughs> um, but or, or some you know, M&Ms. Yes, indeed. Um, Skittles. But, uh, but you know, it, he even mentioned that, I mean, like you said, it, he didn't want to be a head coach anymore. Well, that was pretty evident the last couple of years, honestly. And I'm not trying to be mean by that. I'm really not. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. And uh, and and it's good that you can recognize that, you know, right now it's probably better to be an assistant coach. And he, he loves it up there. They love him up there. Um, obviously, that is a good fit. So not a good fit here is a good fit there. Great. Win win. I think, you know, if you listen to his press conference, you know, if you take it for what he said, I think he realized that the type of coach we needed here to be successful, you know, we need somebody that's, that's, he, he's not going to do the engagement with the fan base. He's not going to put the energy into marketing. You know, he's not going to do the things that you need to be done here to be successful. So all that being said, let's talk a little bit about our qualities of an ideal candidate. We've got some tidbits this week. We're going to get into all those. I really feel like interviews are taking place this week and I think we should have a new coach by the end of the week. So let's talk a little bit about what we want to see out of that coach. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down the list, Jason, and you chime in, all right? The first thing I think we need is we need a coach that can inject an endless abundance of energy into the program. We need somebody that's going to come in, excite the fan base, excite the players, start getting people excited about Southern Miss basketball again. Absolutely. Um, I would throw in there... You know, words like innovative, gutsy, um, engaging, passionate, hungry, you know, words like that, 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 man, you know, if you can combine all those, uh, and we've had coaches like that in the past. I know you and I were talking off the air and you mentioned the word innovative and that really stuck with me. 
Well, you, and you think about you use the word innovative, okay? The coaches that have been successful in the past. You think about that wide off and a wide open offense that we ran under MK Turk. You think about the defense under Bauer in the nineties, the innovation that came with that. The defenses under Hobson, you know, the innovations with that. Offense under Fedora Munkin. The schemes that Tyndall played on both sides of the ball were not things that we had been doing. So, you know, I think for us to be successful, we can't do what everybody else is doing. Nor can we do what has worked 10, 20, 30 years ago. Right. And, and, and also, you know, somebody that lives and breathes it, you know, I mean, um, not somebody that's just been around and deserves the shot necessarily, honestly. Um, someone that like if, if he couldn't be a basketball coach, let's say he had, you know, he, he tried and tried and tried and could never get his shot. And instead of just hanging it up and doing something else, you found that guy coaching at the YMCA on Saturdays or something. A guy that just that's that's what he was born to do. And if he can't do that, um, you know, he'll just be lost. So that's the kind of guy that I think that we're looking for and and that on that that needs to be hired um, because he can. It, it's going to take so much more than an X and an o, X's and O's type of guy. And and that's, I think that's what we're looking for. It's a lot to look for, but this job this job is harder than most jobs. So you got to get a guy who's going to be willing to uh, take on that challenge. And um, and there's plenty of guys that are hungry out there. We got to hope that we pick the right one. And that was my next point. We need somebody with the uh, demeanor of being poor, hungry, and driven. We need somebody that's that's not satisfied by just getting to be the the coach here. And uh, that ties into another point of mine um i guess we'll get to that in a minute but we, we don't need somebody that just treats this as a retirement job absolutely not tried and did not work um another thing that we need that, that's probably just as important as anything else we need someone that understands the important the importance of marketing and fan engagement and i know that we went under ncaa sanctions a couple of years ago but if you look at what Donnie Tindall and staff did as far as marketing and fan engagement, it was it was unlike anything I'd ever seen around here before. Probably uh, unlike anything you've ever seen, except for possibly Fedora when you first got here. Absolutely. As far as as far as the engagement part, um, that is a very 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 big part of it. And you also got to be able to coach your ass off, right? But you you can't have one without the other, in my opinion, for the Southern Miss job. And Tyndall had it, you know, um, and, you know, he had some extracurriculars going on also. <laughs> but if you, if you can, if you can just, just take your mind off of that for just a second, um, if everything was on the up and up, then it was the perfect guy for the job. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking for this time around, right? Maybe, you know, the, the, the everything that he brought, uh, without, without all of the extracurricular. So, and I, I think a lot of people, when we lose a Tyndall or we use, lose a Fedora, you know, I think a lot of people just gravitate towards the coaches they don't think are going to leave. But personally, and as it's played out uh, over time, stability is not as important as ability. Most of the time when we hire somebody who mm. treats this as a retirement job, that it does not go well. So I think, we need to hire coaches that people are going to that, that are going to be successful enough that other places are going to want them in the next few years. We don't need somebody that uh, it, nobody ever wants. He's here. 
you know, we might get, uh, we might make it to the, you know, semifinals of the championship game every so often. But, you know, I think, you know, it may be a, a, we may have rotating coaches for a while until we get the program to where we want it to be. But in the meantime, we don't need to just relegate ourselves to people that we think are going to be here a long time. The, the, the most recently when we did, well, when we did it back in 2012, we went 0 and 12. Mm-hmm. Which brings up my, which brings up my next point. Cause this is all going to tie in together. No retreads. We don't want someone with repeated failure. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Well, you look at, I mean, you look at, you know, I hate to go back to Ellis Johnson, but he, he did not have a very strong record as a head coach with what he'd done in the past. Um, Doc, again, he had a, a great year at UTEP and then he just kind of treaded water there, you know, during his time at Nebraska. And, and when he got here, to be fair, you know, the sanctions came around, but I don't think that made as, as big of a difference in the outcome as, as some would like to think. I think we were missing some of the, marketing fan interaction we were missing a lot of energy you know yeah true that it's a um i mean you know we, we've mentioned and as far as the stability goes it's kind of a give and take there it, it really is uh if we can get somebody to end up being like a like like a bauer like a uh like a scott berry um would i sign up for that uh, probably so, <laughs> you know, um, also if I could have those two years like I had under Tyndall, or if I had the four years like I had with, um, with Fedora or even my throw Munkin in there, um, I'd probably sign up for that as well. Just somebody who's going to pour their heart and soul into it and leave it better than he found it. And <sighs> you know, like he's like a Bauer or an MK Turk, you know, it just seems like this day and age, you're not sure if those are few are few and far between. I will say this. I don't think stability at the coaching level matters to me as much as it does at the athletic director level. I'd like to see Jeremy here for a while. Or, you know, if it wasn't Jeremy, whoever the next guy is, I would like to see that a little bit more stable. But as far as the coaches go, man, I I want I want excitement. I want everybody, everybody that's listening to this show right now. We're literally preaching to the choir, but. I want everybody to feel like we do, right? Absolutely. Um, so I need more people doing that. When I got, I, I want to have to get to the game early, so I so I can get to my seat. Um, and you know, for better or worse, the only thing that does that is a coach with all of those abilities, like we just said. So that makes this hire that much more important. I know we're going to get into the one cent thing later, but this all kind of ties in together. Also, you know, experience is important, but you don't want someone that has tenure without accomplishment. And, you know, I think you can see from the candidates we're about to toss out here that uh, I think for the most part, you have some pretty solid accomplishments there. In addition, this is something that's always going to come up anytime there's a, any kind of search of any kind. Southern Miss ties a plus, but not a must. I don't think it's necessary to have previous Southern Miss experience. Sometimes that works out in a good way. Sometimes it is good to have somebody that understands what's going on here. So you just kind of have to, um, I guess, use your best judgment if you're the one making those decisions when it comes to time to make these hires. Absolutely. And I also think we need someone who understands, um, you know, this is still a rebuilding process. You know, we kind of put all our eggs into one basket this past season, and you're pretty much you're not starting from where Doc had to start from. 
but you are start start you're not it's not going to be an easy process and somebody's going to come in here and and have that endless reserves of energy so they can uh withstand the tough times and get us on towards to the top all right so let's talk about the candidates i think that's kind of what everybody wants to tune in to to check out and to listen for so as of right now we are aware of four candidates that we believe to have interviews. There's some other candidates that have been brought up for the position. We're going to go through a lot of names here just so we cover our bases <laughs> because what usually happens in these searches is there's always like a, there's always just somebody that comes out of the blue. There's always a dark horse that comes in and steals the show. But I want to talk about somebody up front that I, I don't believe that believe as of right now he's getting an interview. But if I had to make a choice, and probably, I, I'm not speaking for you here, but I think you would probably make a similar choice. This is a guy with Southern Miss ties who is a guy that I think a lot of Southern Miss fans would enjoy having as a head coach. His name is Greg Heyer. He is an assistant coach right now at LSU. Um, LSU had a tremendous year this year. In his first season, they went back to uh, the postseason for the first time in a while, and he helped them get the number four ranked recruiting class in the country. Now, What's kind of been hanging over him lately is there's been an investigation going on with head coach Will Wade. LSU reinstated him to be the head coach. I don't know if that's the end of everything or what, but you would think that that might open the door a little bit and get higher a chance to come in and get an interview. Prior to his time at LSU, 2011 to 2017, he was at Wichita State, had six years there. During that time, the Shockers had 179 wins five Missouri Valley Conference regular season championships, six consecutive championships, uh, six consecutive trips to the NCAA tournament, including the 2013 Final Four. He helped mentor guards like Ron Baker and Fred Van Fleet, who's tearing it up in Toronto. Before that, he was at Southern Miss, where we had a pair of 20-win seasons. Before that, he was at Chipola Junior College, where he had an amazing run. We ended up getting players like Gary Flowers, um, Tory Pelham, you know, that came along with him. So he's got an extensive resume. This is a guy that I think fully in- gets, when we say energy, I think he embodies what we mean by when we say that. And I think he gets the marketing side of things. I've had conversations with him back in the day where he was talking about, like, we need to get a DJ in here, you know, just kind of bring a different environment to Reed Green. I think he totally gets what we would need. I don't know why he hasn't gotten an interview yet. Um you know, I, I'm assuming that it has something to do with the smoke at LSU, but this is a guy that the course of the Miss fans who know him and who know what he's capable of really feel like this is a guy that's a program changer. He's one of the guys that was on the top of our list last time around, right? Yes. And and when I think about Greg, I mean, obviously you think about his recruiting ability, but you also, I mean, you know, bright, young, accomplished, familiar, deserving, um, and he's all about, like you said, I mean, he's all about making the games, not just a game, but, but, but a show. And, uh, and that hits a lot, checks a lot of the boxes. Uh, the thing at LSU, it's, uh, you know, it's there. And, um, and it looks like it got a lot better here in the last 24 hours. And, and I, I, I would not fault anybody for, for holding, uh, just, uh, just kind of holding off on that for a second. Uh, to, to let the, the dust clear and, and everybody, you know, no charges to be brought and whatever. Just let that whole thing go away. Um, but I mean, personally, I just think that it's, it's worth an interview. It's worth an interview. I, the interview might not mean a whole lot, 
uh, in the past, we've had people that interview really well and <laughs> didn't turn out so good for us. Um, but as far as the names that you want to like bring in, sit them down, look at them, stare them in the eyes and, and, and have a talk. Um, obviously he would be right there at the top on my list. He's a guy that would hit the ground running. I mean, he's, he's a guy that builds relationships, you know, for, for us to be talking about him and he's been gone since what, 2011. It's pretty amazing. And I think there was some chatter about him being the heir apparent to Eustachy. For some reason that didn't work out. We hire Tyndall. Um, you know, he heads off to Wichita State and, and does big things. I don't even think he got a sniff the last go around. And it's just kind of head scratching because, you know, me and you have been in press conferences before. We've been in press conferences or, or after hires. We usually have a pretty good gauge on what's going to happen. You know, sometimes it may be uncertainty, but. You know, there's times where we've, we've gone to these press conferences and known that it, the hire was a mistake. And, um, I think that this would be totally different if he got the shot. But hey, that's not for us to decide. If we don't give Greg a shot, somebody's going to, and I have a feeling that it's going to pay dividends for them. All right. So let's move on. A couple of more guys that I just want to mention because they have Southern Miss ties and they've been, um, kind of their name has been thrown in the search through, whether it's through media or rumors or this, that, and the other. Steve Shields. Current assistant coach at Southern Miss. He was the former head coach at Euler, Arkansas Little Rock, where he made the NCAA tournament in 2011. And also Ross Hodge, a former uh, assistant under Larry Eustachy, currently an assistant coach at North Texas. Let's talk about a couple of guys with Mississippi ties. Now, this guy does not have much coaching experience, but it is a name that would definitely bring some attention to the program. I'm talking about Mo Williams, the assistant coach for Cal State Northridge. So Mo Williams played at Murrah High School before going to Alabama. He had a 13-year NBA career, spent time with the Bucks, the Clippers, the Trailblazers, the Timberwolves, the Hornets, and the Cavaliers. He was an NBA All-Star in 2009, and he won an NBA championship with the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016. So I think this is like his second year coaching. So he doesn't have much coaching experience, but he does have that NBA pedigree, and he's got um, ties to the area. So I think that's something I'm sure the players would be excited about Mo Williams if he did come on board. I just don't know if the coaching experience is quite there yet for him to get the shot. Probably not. It's nice to have that NBA pedigree, though. And you talk about being a Mississippi legend. Everybody remembers that guy from high school. And if if you're, you know, <laughs> like, like if we're someplace like in if we're like in Los Angeles right now or whatever, and you're looking for that splashy hire, this might be it. Um, I. I, I I wouldn't mind. I mean, and the, the whole list we're going to run through here, uh, I think all of them kind of get a little bit of an endorsement from me, really. Um, I think I you got to put together a really good list and then like pick the best from that list. Um, there's some, there, there's definitely some positives to hiring a guy like Mo, but I think it would be more of a splash um, than some of these other candidates. Other other candidates with Mississippi ties. Isaac Brown, he's an assistant coach right now at Wichita State. He's from Pascagoula, played at uh, at Perk, also coached at um, Pearl River. He's got some Mississippi ties, definitely an impressive coach when you check out everything he has to offer. And Stan Jones, the longtime assistant coach for Florida State, also a former assistant at Mississippi State. Now, also there's some candidates that were mentioned that, that are int- either interesting or we don't know enough about. Their name was thrown out there. And we just want to mention them just in case. So the first one, Mike Anderson, the former UAB, former Missouri, former Arkansas head coach. The, the thing about that one, it would be hilarious just to see the look on the faces of the, of the UAB fans if that were to happen. 
<laughs> Next, Chris Crutchfield, associate head coach at Oklahoma. Then you have Marvin Menzies, former UNLV New Mexico State head coach. Lee Hill, the head coach at Texas Rio Grande, uh, Rio Grande Valley. William Small, assistant coach at Iowa State. Robbie Lang, assistant coach at UCF, and Qantas White, an assistant coach at Houston. Now, this next part of the list, these are names that have been mentioned, but I, I think you're going to go with me on this, Jason. We're, we would say absolutely not to any of these. All right. The first one is the Detroit head coach, formerly of Indiana, UAB, Texas Southern, Mike Davis. And a good friend of the program, Shane Lott, still remembers his beef that he had uh, with Mike Davis as a member of the Larry Looney's back in the day. So I think that's a guy that, that I don't think Southern Miss fans would have any interest in. Uh, yeah, let's not do, do go that direction. Um, and we've talked about it on this show before, but I personally saw him get up from a post-game uh, radio call when he was the head coach at UAB and tried to go into the stands <laughs> to fight a Southern Miss fan. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the guy, he – uh he was exciting to watch when he was playing, and he was fun to root against when he was at UAB. But he's an absolute psychopath, so let's not go that direction. Yeah, and his if you look at his coaching record, not too terribly impressive as, as of late. The next name that was thrown out there, and I don't know why, Tim Floyd. Um, if you know a little bit, I mean, Tim Floyd has the Hattiesburg ties, obviously, but he has. it's like when he comes around, he kind of feels like he owns the place. And he stepped on some toes under the Hammond administration. If you don't know about that, uh, let's, let's chit chat about it sometime. But also he has not had a very successful record in Reed Green Coliseum as well. I can't for the life of me understand why people, what, I, I, I don't, I don't know what's so endearing about Tim Floyd. I don't get it. Uh, all he does is back me. Every time they come, if, if, every time they come to town, like, I don't, you know, this place should be, Reed Green should be filled up. You know, people at Harrisburg should be embarrassed. These are like actual quotes that he's made. And it just, I don't know, it falls on deaf ears or something. I don't know. doesn't fall on deaf ears here. Uh, Tim Floyd need not apply. He, he lost his credibility a long time ago. Um, another name, John Brady, former LSU Arkansas State head coach. Yeah, we're just not looking at retreads right now. Andy Kennedy, former Ole Miss head coach, same thing. And then Ed Conroy, assistant at uh, Minnesota, former head coach at Tulane. Yeah, certainly not. Not him as well. So that, that concludes our list of absolutely nots. Although I have one that I kind of would add, but he's kind of been a little more serious of a candidate. So these next candidates we're going to talk about, these were candidates that were rumored to be interviewing at one time, but as of right now, it doesn't seem like that's happening. So the first one that, uh, I wouldn't really be on board with at all, uh, Rod Barnes, head coach at Cal State Bakersfield, former Ole Miss Georgia State head coach. Now this thing about Rod Barnes, um, He's got connections throughout the region, but he also has a reputation for being a subpar recruiter. Um, then you have the stigma of hiring an Ole Miss retread, not to mention the, the history there, the battles that he used to have with some of the Southern Miss players back in the 80s. You know, that's a whole other story in itself. It would almost be disrespectful to hire somebody like him. But he has had some success. Um, you know, most recently he's been at Cal State Bakersfield. He took, he took them to the NCAA tournament in 2016 after winning the WAC title. Before that, he was Georgia State. Record not great, but the situation at the school at that time was kind of a mess. And then when he was at Ole Miss, you know, the highlight of his coaching tenure there, he took Ole Miss to the Sweet 16 in the 2001 NCAA tournament, and he was named SEC Coach of the Year and Naismith Coach of the Year uh, in 2001 as well. Just, But just would not get 
it just the energy would not be good. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And, and I, I, I don't outside of him coaching um, at Ole Miss or or just being a rebel in general. I, I don't. I really don't have a huge problem with the guy. I remember when I was when I was doing my student coaching at East Marion, he actually came to East Marion to do our uh, athletic banquet. He gave a speech at the end of the banquet, eloquent, um, and and just you know took the time to come back and do it. Uh, and so I think he's a good man. Uh, in no way do I do I feel like he's the kind of guy that I think that we need right now. Use the term retread. I just use the term. Um, uh, I, I just like a new face, kind of like in politics. Sometimes I just want to vote for the next guy because you've been there for a while, right? Um, so yeah, I, I have no problems with the man whatsoever. Just not sure that I would put him at the top of the list of the people that I would hire if I was in that position, uh, just because of all those reasons. If you hire Rod Barnes and you don't talk to Casey Fisher. And you don't get Casey's blessing on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Something's wrong. Uh, the next, the next coach we're going to mention is a, a coach named Jerome Tang. He's the associate head coach at Baylor. He's been an assistant coach at Baylor for the past 16 seasons. Had quite a run there. A lot of success during his tenure at Baylor. Since his time there, they've had eight NCAA appearances, three NIT appearances. One of those was an NIT championship. On the flip side of that, no college head coaching experience. And also, you have to wonder, coming from a place like, place like Baylor, would he be able to handle the lack of resources here? Now, he was rumored to be interviewing, and now it is rumored that he is not in the mix. But I just wanted to mention him as someone that was that kind of had a little bit more of a serious chatter about him than the others. Sure. I mean, I, I think ties to the region are, are pretty big. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, it, it's, it, it's the name that I, I'm not sure – he would have had much of a shot anyway. I mean, he has a, I mean, he has a, he's got some guys he sent to the NBA. I mean, he's, he's definitely been a stout coach. Um, I just kind of feel like there are, are some stronger candidates right now. Now we joked about this earlier on social media, but if we could have co-head coaches <laughs> with Clarence Weatherspoon and Jerome Tang, <laughs> Spoon Tang, <laughs> who would not be on board with that? <laughs> It'd be great. It would be great. Um, you, you, I, I, you know, you could have one sign. Think about that. We, we could even bring back the netheads, but you could have one sign with spoon, you know, and I could have the sign with the tang. You could even have an actual spoon <laughs> and like an old tang, I don't know, logo or whatever, you know. <laughs> and and it's, it sounds funny. But there's there's some merit to it. I mean, I know that we would have some fun with that portion of it, but um, but there would be some merit whatsoever. I think he might have pulled his name out of consideration at this point, but it was fun to joke around with, and and I'd have been on board with it. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But that brings us into our first candidate, our first I won't say serious candidate, but these these are the candidates that we think are getting interviews. Uh, First one, Clarence Weatherspoon, assistant coach at Southern Miss. Clarence Weatherspoon. The greatest basketball player in Southern Miss history. His number 35 jersey is the only one retired right now. He's second all time in, in points with 2,130. And he was the ninth pick in the 2000, in the 1992 NBA draft going to the Philadelphia 76ers. He set a rookie record with 1,290 points. And, uh, also a sophomore year had 45 double doubles, the seventh most in the NBA history. 
Had a 13-year NBA career with stops in Philadelphia, Golden State, Miami, Cleveland, New York, and Houston. Uh, he's a legend. He's been back on Doc's staff since 2016, so the past three seasons. He's been an excellent recruiter. So this is a guy that, you know, he is Southern Miss basketball. So what, what would you think about a, a Clarence Weatherspoon hire at Southern Miss? I think everybody would be on board with that. How could you not? It would be like hiring Brett Favre to coach the football team. It would be like hiring Magic Johnson to coach the Lakers or Derek Jeter to coach the Yankees. You know, He's not only a, le- a legend, he's a living legend. Storied career. He's one of those one-name guys, right? There's only a few of those guys around Southern Miss. You look at Reggie, look at Favre, Spoon, Ray, you know? <laughs> he's one of those guys, so – uh, I don't know how anybody couldn't get uh, on board with Spoon. Would he want the job? I don't know. Um, he's already there. Would he want to run the show? Uh, you, you, you'd have to think that that possibly. You know, I know his son's going to be there the next three years anyway. So or it was going to be four years with that new redshirt rule. I'm not even positive, but um, hmm, it's it's interesting. Uh, let me ask you this: Do you think you better have Spoon as the absolute head coach? Or would you have Spoon in the same role that he's in right now, just with a just a more engaging uh, head? Like, if you're the head coach that came in, would you want Clarence Weatherspoon to be your number two, like be the associate? I I would hope that regardless of what happens, if he's not named head coach, I would hope that he would still be retained on the staff because it's, I, you know, I think he's done a terrific job recruiting in Mississippi. I mean, his presence there is is something that's pretty powerful. I mean, it was it was awesome just to see him. On the the bench before he was a coach, you'd see him across the way on the on the uh, the baseline there. Um, so I hope that he's still involved regardless of what happens. If he gets it, hey, I'd be curious to see what would happen. I mean, that's a name. That's something that's going to definitely bring some interest. If he doesn't, I still hope he's involved. Can't go wrong in 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 any of those scenarios. Uh, I don't think. Let's move on to the next coach. Now, this is a guy that's his name's kind of. Come into the mix as far as what we've been aware of the past couple of days. His name is Mark Adams. He's an assistant coach at Texas Tech. Now, he's been at Texas Tech for the past few years since 2016. Last year, the Red Raiders made it to the Elite Eight, finishing ranked sixth in the country. And this year, they made it to the national championship game, falling to the Virginia Cavaliers and ending the season with a ranking of number two in the country. And Texas Tech's not a school that's really known for being a basketball powerhouse. So that's a pretty... Uh, that's a pretty solid con- uh, accomplishment for the Red Raiders. Mark Adams, his primary focus is defense. That's what, what his focus is on now as an assistant coach at Texas Tech. He also has head coaching experience uh, at the NAIA and Division II levels. He was former head coach at Texas Pan American. There was an NCAA investigation. I don't know too much about that, but he left there in 1997 to become the head coach at Howard before becoming the director of basketball operations at Texas Tech. And then one season at Arkansas Little Rock, where Arkansas Little Rock finished with a 30-5 and record, winning the Sunbelt regular season and tournament titles. And as a number 12 seed, they knocked off number 5 seed Purdue, 85 to 83 in the NCAA tournament. So he definitely has an interesting pedigree. He has some head coaching experience. And I know Texas Pan Am is a D1 school now, but I believe they were a D2 school back during that time. And he also has, you know, some, some success, uh, at the NAIA level as well. So he's got some head coaching experience. Apparently has done a tremendous job as an assistant. So, you know, I don't know much about him, but, but 
that is a very interesting resume. Extremely interesting. And and he's going to be one of those guys. It's a hot name. It's like a hot candidate, I guess, you know, for a lot of jobs that come up. And this is what happens when you're at a school like Texas Tech and all of a sudden you start rattling, rattling off these types of seasons. Um, all the assistants are, you know, going to be like the next guy coming up. So um, you look at experience. You, I mean, he's, he's he's a strong candidate, no doubt. Definitely strong candidate for not, for lots of jobs. Um, put in the time and, uh, he, he's a, he's a guy that, that would have to tell me something in the interview process, I think. Um, cause the resume kind of speaks for itself, but it, it, and is that, is that what it comes down to? Do you think like if you got a bunch of guys, uh, that you think you might want to hire and the interview process just sets up, sets you apart from the rest? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think you have to look at, the, I think you have to look at everything as a whole. I think you have to look at the reputation. I think you have to look at the results. And I think you have to look at the, the, um, their interview and what their plans are, what their plans would be to make your program successful. Um, I've had some job interviews go well and I've had some go terribly bad. So <laughs> I'm sure this is kind of the same thing with, with that, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think he's, Mark Adams definitely a viable candidate. Uh, you'd have to think he was, de- he'd definitely be in the mix at this point. Now, the next name that we're going to bring up is, is a, is somebody that a lot of people in the area are very familiar with. I'm talking about Jay Ladner. He's currently the head coach at Southeastern Louisiana. Former Golden Eagle basketball player. He was a member of the 1987 NIT championship team. And I believe some of his former teammates are sending out a letter of re- recommendation this evening. He has the support of numerous alumni. You know, Brett Favre tweeted at us the other day, giving his endorsement to Jay Ladner. I saw Debbie Bauer post about him on Facebook. You have a lot of uh, people in the region. You have a lot of Southern Miss alumni that that are really pushing for Jay Ladner to get the job. If you look back at his coaching history, uh, 20 years as the head coach at St. Stanislaus, where he won a 4A state championship. Also, I believe he spent two years at Oak Grove High School. Then he went on to Jones Junior College, where in 2014 he won the first national championship in Mississippi history, the first uh, junior college national championship. He was the NJCAA coach of the year that year. Most recently, he has five years of Division I head coaching experience in a tough, pretty tough situation. You know, this is going to be a, a low-resource school. Uh, during his tenure there, they did uh, make the school's first appearance in the NIT, in the National Invitational Tournament. Uh, you know, the first four years was, was a gradual build. They, they had improvement every year. This past year had a little bit of a setback, but in his defense, they did defeat William Carey. So <laughs> that, that right there is a plus. And I know, you know, I, Jay Ladner was, I mean, those, those guys in the late eighties were my heroes. When I got to meet those guys back, I guess 2012 when they had the reunion, I mean, it was like, that was those guys, that was like my Jordan, you know? So. I have a soft spot in my heart for for the old players like Jay. You know, we've seen what he can do as a coach. Not really sure what he can do as a coach at Southern Miss. I'm not really sure. You know, I think there's kind of a divide in the fan base right now. You have the folks that want him, and then you have the folks that kind of feels like it's the good old boy network. And and which one is right? It's hard to really say at this point. You know, I'd like to think that he would would do a good job, but you know, the past couple of years. Even if it's a tough situation, it's really tough to, to to gauge on how that would project to Southern Miss. 
people are taking this this name um, and this this conversation that I have with with a lot of people, and because I mean, I've got I've got friends of mine who try to look at it with an open mind, um, and I've got friends of mine that take it really personal if I try to um, even uh, make the argument that maybe someone else might be better for the job. Um, I just want the right guy for the job, but what Jay Ladner brings to the table is just familiarity. Um, he's, he's beloved really, uh, by way more people than me. And I didn't go to school with Jay. Uh, I didn't, I didn't watch him play. I, he's not, he's not a friend of mine, but I have lots of people that I know that are in those situations and could get, could not give any more of a glowing endorsement for Jay Ladner. Um, has he been successful? Yes. Checks that box off. Um, heck, we put we pushed for him last time, you know, the last go around before we hired Doc. Um, is southeastern Louisiana a tougher job than USM? We talked about how hard, how hard the job would be here. He would have an advantage in that regard, um, knowing so many people from the area and have so many people in his uh, in his corner right off the bat. Um, that's an advantage that he would have, um, and that's a big part of it. We've we've talked about it. Um, so. Is he successful? Yes. Does he know the program? Obviously. Um, would he bring fans in? You think right out, you think right out of the gate? Probably so. Um, he's, he's been in a situation similar to USM. Uh, I, I, I mean, you have to think that he's a serious contender for the job. Um, I don't think even he would, would say that it's just, hey, don't interview anybody else. Uh, but, um, but, I mean, it's not like I would be disappointed if we hired him. Um, I, I would be ecstatic if we hired him, just like I would be ecstatic if we hired Greg um, or some of these other guys we're going to talk about. But Jay, Jay Ladner checks off an awful number of the boxes. And, and also, you know, I, I think that if he, if he got the job, I, I think he would put in the time and the effort in doing everything to the best of his ability. Not that anybody else wouldn't, but I, I would think that he wouldn't want to let us down, right? He wouldn't want to – I mean these people that are sticking their neck out for him, um, I, I think that he would just go as hard as he could possibly go. And we would get the most out of him just for the simple fact that um, that he just wouldn't want to let Sutter miss down. And, and two, you know, outside of maybe Spoon – I mean him and Spoon – they love Southern Miss. You know, those are guys that, you know, if they do well, if they do really well, I'm not sure that those are guys that would leave. Now, on the flip side of that, if something happens and they don't do well and you have to move on, that's a really tough situation. So um, you would hope that they, you know, if either one of them get the job, they come in, they dominate, they take it to another level, and they become that Jeff Bauer of basketball or that MK Turk of basketball that we hadn't had in quite some time, you know. But – um you know, definitely, I, I think Jay is certainly a serious contender. Um, no surprise that he's in the mix of the ones being interviewed. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. We got one more candidate left to talk about. And this guy is is very intriguing. Um, if I had to say who I thought would probably walk out of here with the job, I'm, I'm going to go with this guy right now. Um, if Greg Hire was in the mix, 
I may, I might be a little more confused right now and maybe he'll get there. But if not, uh, Dennis Gates, an assistant at Florida State University, he was up for the Cal job, which was his alma mater. And more recently, he was up for the Troy job. So he has a little bit of familiarity with Jeremy McClain. I think Jeremy McClain was really high on this guy and I don't think it took very long for him to get on this list of candidates who are going to be interviewed. Has a reputation of being an excellent recruiter. Great with the kids. Great with the families. Um, came up in Chicago, bear down. Uh, then he played at Cal, and then he worked as as an, a coaching assistant under Alvin Gentry, who's the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans, while he was at the Los Angeles Clippers. The cons to this hire, no head coaching experience, and two, even though he spent some time at Nevada and Northern Illinois, can will he be able to handle the lack of resources that he would have here? Um, you look at some of the schools that he was at in the past. He was assistant coach at Marquette, Cal, Northern Illinois, Nevada, and most recently Florida State. And if you look at his t- tenure during Florida State, they, uh, let's see, 2011, 2012, uh, NCAA East Regional third round ACC champions. Next year, NIT first round. Uh, the year after that, NIT semifinals. Um, had kind of a, a little bit of a down year that year, but they defeated number 23 Miami. Then in uh, 2015, 2016, NIT second round. Uh, 2016, 2017, second round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, 2018, NCAA West Regional Finals. And then this year, 2019, they went 29 and 8, 13 and 5 in the ACC and lost to Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament. He's known as being a solid recruiter and, and a great coach. Some of the players that he's coached gone on to the NBA, notably uh, Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic and Malik Beasley of the Denver Nuggets. So this guy's a very intriguing candidate. He kind of feels like if you're going for the young guy with the energy, um, a guy that can relate to the players, a guy that is is probably going to be somebody you're going to have to replace in a few years, but that that's going to be a good thing. Um, I think he checks a lot of those boxes. And it's, doesn't have necessarily have the familiarity with Southern Miss, doesn't have the head coaching experience, and you know more recently he's had some access to some resources. But I think I read an interview where they were talking about where he was talking about how they've kind of had to build Florida State up. They didn't really have that program. They had to work on the facilities. They had to work on building the program there. So he may have a little more experience than we give him credit for in that regard. I had no idea uh, who this guy was until you told me about him earlier today. And then you sent me that video um, that Florida State put out. And that was a, that was some powerful stuff, you know, absolutely powerful stuff. And, and, with, and in that video – um, but you, you could, everybody that they talked to, they, they, they talked to a bunch of the players and a bunch of the play. They, 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 they love the guy, love him, um, love him like a father. And, um, and you talked about recruiting the amount of players they've been able to put into the NBA as of late, um, is remarkable. And, and, and it's, and even the head coach mentioned that, you know, it's pretty much because, because of Gates, so uh, I, I think he would take recruiting to an entirely different level. Um, and, and I don't think that, that he would mind um, having to build it up. Uh, I, I, and I think that it would be a plus if somebody like Spoon was around. Um, I think he falls into that category of being young and innovative. Uh, I, and he comes from the streets of Chicago, right? Who else did that? Jonathan Mills. He, he probably has some of that Jonathan Mills inside of him. Um he uh and and again, granted, I I've known about this guy for about an hour, uh, but I've done a little research and 
he's he's another one that if we hired, I would be I, I would be fired up about anybody. You know, I think I'm running on 12 straight years now of basketball tickets. So I've seen a lot, and I've been in school before that. So I've been going to these games for a while. There's lots of that I loved about every single one of our coaches. Well, almost every single one of our coaches, and um, and and this guy seems like the kind of guy that I could get behind uh, right off the bat, and and I, I would have no no problem at all if it came down to to hiring Gates. You know, and to be the same, I mean, I think he, I think he's going to make a tremendous hire from somebody at some point. Um, the head, lack of head coaching experience probably hurting him at this moment. But that being said, I think he'll get his shot and I think he'll, he'll be successful at it. Now, that being said, I really don't have a problem with any of the four candidates. Um, there were, like I said, there were some names mentioned in the mix that I was terrified of them getting an opportunity. <laughs> Mike Davis, <laughs> Mike Davis being one of them, but two, you know, that's four names. It wouldn't shock me if there was one more that we don't quite know about yet, or if one of the names we mentioned was in the mix. You know, there so usually is. I fully expect this process to be over at some point in the next three or four days, and I fully expect a head coach to be named. I think I believe signing day is on Wednesday. I don't know if the, it will be announced by Wednesday, but uh, if they'll, they maybe they'll have somebody in place by Wednesday. But I would expect an uh, an announcement either on Thursday or Friday, um, unless things get really wacky. Maybe next week. But I would think Thursday or Friday would be the timeline that I would be expecting a a hire for this position. So there's some excitement around around the uh, search. I hope hopefully whoever we hire is somebody that can come in and the fan base will put aside their general preference and, and move forward with this coach. And hopefully we can get some excitement back in the greenhouse because we've got a vote coming up on April 23rd. That's going to be, uh, I believe that's what next Tuesday after next. That's going to be Tuesday. If you're in the city of Hattiesburg, be sure to put this on your calendar to go out and vote. Uh, we are having the 1%, they're calling it the Hattiesburg 1 Cent Parks and Recreation Proposal. Half of the money is going to go towards the uh, Parks and Recreation in and around Hattiesburg, and the other half is going to go towards renovating Reed Green Coliseum, which is something that's needed to be done for 30 years. So <laughs> this would be a tremendous boost to that process and also would allow for Reed Green to be used for other things. And this is going to be an additional 1% in restaurant and hotel motel tax. So this is not going to be something that's just, you know, like a general sales tax. It's going to be mostly a tourism tax. If you're like me and you go out and eat a pretty good bit, yeah, you'll probably pay, you know, 1% more tax-wise. Um, you come in town for hotel, motel. I don't know half the taxes that I'm being charged anyway when I stay at a hotel. This is just going to fall right along with that. So, um, you know, talk to your Southern Miss friends in and around the Hub City and make sure they get out and vote on April 23rd. All right. Jason, uh, we talked a lot about the coaching search, but we had another big event this past weekend in the Southern Miss Spring Game. We had a great time out there at the Rock, even though it started with a lightning delay. We were walking up around the same time, and uh, they had about a 45-minute delay before we had kickoff. But it was well worth the wait. Now, that being said, if you look at some of the statistics in the game, keep in mind that the wind was as, as extreme that I've seen in quite some time. Me and Jason were up there taking notes, and our notes were flying off. Our notepads were flying off. I think my glasses <laughs> fell off my head. I mean, it was just out of control. Um, some honorary coaches on the day. Brett Favre was coaching the black team. Reggie Collier was the honorary coach of the gold team. And 
the day before, Brett did an interview with TMZ where he called Reggie the greatest college football player of all time. Uh, and this this video went out and it had a lot of people either having uh, fond recollections of Reggie or wondering who Reggie was for those that uh, these millennials <laughs> might not have been around. But, uh, yeah, what an honor having those two on the field. I noticed a couple of other former Golden Eagles on the sidelines. I saw Sammy Winder, Adelius Thomas, Carshan and Antoine Cash, Denarius Antoine, among others. The black team came out wearing the black jerseys with the gold numbers. I believe we saw them in the first and second game last season. And then the gold team wore the gold jerseys that have yet to be seen on the field. They, they brought those out for the spring game. The game as a whole... Uh, the gold team ended up winning in uh, what was predominantly a defensive battle. Gold team wins 10-6. to Now, let's talk about Tate Whiteley, because I know this is a guy that you really like. Tate Whiteley was 9 of 15 for 203 yards with a 64-yard touchdown pass to Trevor Terry. He also hit Neil McLaurin on two absolutely ridiculous jump ball catches, 33 and 44 yards. Uh, Tate Whiteley, you know, if you read the reports, Jack Abraham has had an awesome spring, but it seemed like Tate Whiteley kind of had the best game on Saturday. Tate's a guy that, you know, he, he's, um, how would you describe Tate? He, he, uh, <laughs> I think he, he got thrown into the mix last year, um, way before he probably should have. Um, but Tate is a guy that, that if you can say nothing else about him is that he's just not scared of anything. Um, he's a he's an athlete. <laughs> he is he is an athlete. <laughs> but um, he uh, yeah he threw he threw a bomb. I mean wind dated as it might have been because um, he was going uh, from south to north right there. But uh, but I, I bet the ball was in the air for fifty yards. There was a time last year where I wasn't sure that Tate could throw the ball thirty yards in the air. Um, so I think he's done a little bit to get his arm strength and you know he's got some bounce back there in the pocket. I know that. People talk about it all the time where you want to have a guy that if something breaks down, how's he going to react to it? Um, that is what he has in, in an advantage over Abraham. Now, the flip side of that is, um, do you, if, is, is, uh, if you do your best when something breaks down, why is it always breaking down? And that's where Abraham, I think, kind of has the advantage where he's more of the polished pocket passer. Um, but, and, and who knows? Like last year, it, it, it might be one of those situations where both those guys get their shot and, and they both get some playing time. But but Tate had a good game, and um, and Jack made some nice throws also, and and so did Jaden Johnson. You know, we saw him get into the game for the first time. So um, the quarterbacks, you mentioned the wind situation. I have no idea how they were throwing the ball out there. I, I maybe the wind, the lower you got, didn't affect the ball that much. Um, but it, it sure affected the kicking. It sure affected the punting. And, 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 you know, these quarterbacks, they, they still just zipped it in there. So, uh, but yeah, your initial question about Tate. Um, yeah, he's exciting. He's an exciting player to watch. And it looks like he has progressed nicely from that first to second year. He's definitely going to be contending for the starting spot come this summer. I think Jack probably has the edge right now, but I wouldn't count out Tate at this point. Jack Abraham on the day, 18 for 27 for 191 yards with a 19-yard touchdown pass to Will Potoski, your boy. Right. Um, and then we have to mention Jaden Johnson. And Jaden Johnson, if you want to say, you want to talk about somebody looking the part, I mean, he's big, he's tall, he's got a live arm. We didn't get to see much from his feet, but I've heard he's the best runner at the quarterback position on the team. Um, his first pass 
probably should have been a touchdown. I think there was a little miscommunication with the wide receiver, but we got to saw, see him complete his first pass to Cavallo. And we had the pleasure of sitting up there with his family, and his mom was a trip. She was – I mean, <laughs> I haven't had that much fun sitting, sitting next to somebody's mom since I sat next to DeQuincy Scott's mom. And uh, <laughs> she was having a blast and uh, really excited to have her son down. I mean, she was cheering for him. I don't think anybody was really cheering for a black or gold team, but she definitely was, and she was having a blast doing it. So uh, hopefully they have many more safe uh, adventures down here to Hattiesburg, and, and I think nothing but big things are ahead for him. And, yeah, it, it was it was super lucky that we ended up, like, sitting just right behind him. I mean, I, we wouldn't have known it except for, you know, my wife uh, sits down, and, and she she sees them, you know, motioning to someone on the sideline, and she asks, you know, is one of those your, your son – and she said, "Yeah, Jaden Johnson." And then, and then my ears perked up, and so I couldn't wait to watch him get in the game. And then when he did, goodness gracious! And you could hear the people around us too, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the people like to our left, um, they're talking about, you know, boy, he looks bigger than I thought he was going to be. And then somebody right. else mentioned something about the quick release. And then when the ball came out of his hand, his very first throw—I know it's a spring game, but this is a kid, uh, probably eighteen-year-old kid. And the the very first throw that he makes in a Southern Miss uniform is like a 35-yard dart to the sideline. <laughs> they probably should have been a touchdown. So it was exciting. Um, it's a very small, you know, sample size of what he can do. But uh, but that was a get that when that that when Southern Miss signed him. Remember, he was committed to Louisville, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, and and pulled out at the end and decided to come to Southern Miss. And um. And if you're an offensive coach, you got to be kind of, you know, ready to get in and get to work with this kid. Not that we don't have some other guys. And it's a good problem to have. We just talked about three different, totally different quarterbacks. And I like every single one of them. So you've seen in the past where the years have gone along and we needed that quarterback. Um, Look at Tate last year, right? Tate had no business. Probably he didn't. Probably thought he was never going to get into the game. <laughs> and then we had some some issues on and off the field. We had some injuries, and here you go, Rook. You know, get out there and see what you got. So you never, you can never have too many quarterbacks, and you can never have too many good football players. And he's both of those. And another thing to take into consideration, and with most of these spring games, you know, you don't have your first string offensive line together. You've got it kind of, you know, patched between the different strings. And, and usually the strength of the offensive line is kind of their familiarity with each other and how they play together. And you didn't really have that. You had a lot of players out on both sides of the ball from, from you know, from for various reasons, mainly injuries and the like. I, I think the vast majority of them are going to be ready to go by summer camp. But this is a lot of this is more depth than we've had in quite some time. And even with the, the, the true freshman playing on the offensive line, I mean, you still got to see enough. Like, well, these guys are going to be really solid one day. Some of the other uh, guys, you know, I, I didn't really get into the rushing stats because the rushing, for the most part, was kind of a wash. Not really the fault of the backs. They made some good runs, some good cuts, some good catches. It just uh, the more exciting plays in the day were from the receivers. That that 64-yard pass to Trevor Terry was in stride, and, and, and TT took it all the way to the house. I mentioned Neil McLaurin earlier. That's a guy that's come a long way. He was a little banged up last year. We got to see flashes of what he could do, but I mean, we haven't had a guy that can go up and get those jump balls since Corey Robertson, and it's something that we 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 sorely missed last year. Uh, Jordan Mitchell, another guy, three receptions for 59 yards. Tim Jones had a solid day, so you know, that's not even the entire receiving core, but 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 I think that we had uh, it, they looked impressive for what we did have on the field. 
All this aside, if I was going to pick a player of the game, if you had one player where you said, okay, who's going to be the MVP, the pick would have to be Trey Davis. And I use that word pick loosely because he had two of them. He had two interceptions on Saturday, the second one being the one that clinched the game for the gold team. Now, this is after Trey Davis sat out the entire 2018 season after injuring his neck in practice, it would, which I don't think they were sure if he was ever going to play again. Then he comes in, he changes to the free safety position, and he goes out in the spring game with two interceptions, pretty much uh, still in the day. So, I mean, you know his story, great kid. It was really amazing to see him get out there and do what he did. And I'm look, definitely looking forward to big things out of Trey Davis in the future. Yeah, man, couldn't agree more. He, uh, man, I, I'm glad that I was reminded uh, of his ability and of him in general. And, uh, and, and boy, the sidelines and every, and, and even the people in the stands couldn't have been uh, more excited. And, and, and for as low scoring as it ended up being, that was a super exciting spring game, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was fun. It, it was more fun than, you know, there's been some that have just been snooze fests the right. past few years. But this one was, you know, you're very interested to see what was happening. And the players were, uh, I don't know if we've had them amped up like that in quite some time. They were talking trash the whole game. They were having fun. They were flying around to the ball. Um, a couple other interceptions. Nick Harper had an interception. Uh, and then Taj Jones, another guy that played just a couple of games last year, got injured, but he was all over the field in this game. He had, he had an interception. He almost had two. He almost picked uh, Tate off in the end zone early in the game. But, um, you know, secondary was pretty stout. We had some new, we got to see some of the newcomers for the first time. TQ Newsom, you know, uh, he got in there. He looked good running the ball. He got his bell rung the, the, one of the plays and then he got right back up ready to go again. I mean, he's a big old boy, big bodied running back. Chris Scruggs, you kind of got to see flashes of what he's going to be able to do. Swayze Bowman was flash, fast flying around the ball. Then you had some of the returners, like you know Nick Dawson's a guy that's coming along. He got a sack in the game the other day. Taj Sykes uh, looked pretty solid plugging up the middle. Ty Williams at corner, as always. Hayes Maple. So, I mean, you got to see some of this, uh, some of the young talent and some of the returning talent. And, I mean, I don't know how you – if you know football and you knew – Okay, this, this is the situation with the injuries. This is the situation with the the different strings being mixed up. This is the situation with the linemen not playing together. Taking all that into consideration, uh, you couldn't help but be encouraged when you left out of the game on Saturday. Man, there was some serious quickness off the, off, off the defensive lines, you know. And uh, and like you you talked about the offensive linemen earlier, uh, those guys are humongous, and there's plenty of them. That was cool. And the other best thing that I liked about the whole, the, you know, I, going into this game. I wanted to look at our offense and, and me not knowing just a terrible amount about football. I mean, I watched a lot of football, but I never coached football and never played football. But I wanted to see if I could tell a difference in what our offense is doing um, versus last year. And I could definitely see that the up tempo was back. The, the, the check with me, you know, get up to the line, uh, then check with the coach uh, that's back. Kind of like it, like it was with Fedora and a little bit with Munkin. Um, so those are all things that were identifiable, and the energy level, as you mentioned earlier, was through the roof, and and that was so so uh, such a such a positive for me. Um, and and because I mean, look, look, the, the offensive staff, they've what, what, how long has Buster been here? Two two three weeks. Um, I think he. I think a little longer than that. I mean, they've been practicing football for two or three weeks. Yeah. So 
They're picking up on it. Um, you can definitely tell, even someone like me, you can definitely tell there's a difference. And I liked it. So that was cool. Well, we've, we've, we've rambled for quite a bit, but let's touch on baseball and softball before we get out of here. All right. Uh, the baseball team, uh, this past weekend at FIU, we're going to run through this really quick because Friday uh, was no good. Um, Friday, we lost the game 6-4, to four, had 18 strikeouts offensively. Inexplainable, inexplicable. Um, lost the game Saturday 16-6. to six. Uh, mind you, FIU is not that good so far this season, but baseball is baseball. And you, if, if you are going to lose those first two, you want to come back on Sunday and at least get a victory. So that's what exactly what we did. Uh, came out Sunday, won the game 15 to seven, a very nice bounce back. So as far as the Conference USA standings, that puts us in, well, we're still in second place in Conference USA, 11 and four record overall, 21 and, uh, 11 and four record in Conference USA, 21 and 12 overall. Uh, FAU currently in first place at 12 and three. And if I'm not mistaken, Louisiana Tech, who is on fire, just took two out of three from them this past weekend. So thank you to Louisiana Tech. Um, quick stats, notes of the game. Bryant Bowen stayed, uh, stayed hot. He's hitting 411 on the season, five bombs, 29 RBIs. The upcoming schedule for the baseball team at South Alabama this Tuesday. That's on, uh, April the 16th at 630. Then we'll be at the Pete this weekend. So come out to the Pete. We're playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday because Sunday is Easter. That Thursday game will be at six o'clock, Friday at four and Saturday at 10 a.m. So get out there early. Charlotte's going to be in town. Um, Charlotte comes in with a five and nine and one conference USA record. I'm not sure how you get a tie, uh, but they've got one and a 14 and 20 and one overall record. So get out to the Pete this weekend and catch some baseball. Real quick on softball, swept UAB this weekend. So since our interview with uh, with Wendy Hogue on To The Top Talk, uh, USM softball has just been on fire. They've gone 9-2 and two with two consecutive Conference USA sweeps. Um, that's karma. So if you want your team to start doing well, get them on To The Top Talk. Uh, they won this weekend 2-0, to 7-4, to and 4 to nothing. Um, in Conference USA, Southern Miss is 11-7. and seven. Uh, 26 and 16 overall, currently in third place behind Louisiana Tech in the Western Division. Coming up for softball, April the 16th, 6 p.m. versus Nickel State. April the 17th, 6 p.m. at McNeese. And then we go to Ole Miss on the 24th, play at 6 p.m. as well. Saturday and Sunday, back to conference play at FIU in Miami. Um, FIU currently is four and eleven and twenty two and twenty. So that's another series coming up for the uh, for the Lady Eagles softball team that they should be able to to uh, hopefully get another sweep this weekend. That'll be three consecutive sweeps. So that would be awesome. Um, and, and one more thing about softball. I mean, you know who's played tremendous lately is uh, Abby uh, Traha or Trehe or. Uh, <laughs> I'm staying away from that one. I'm saying well, they, they had a video on social because I think she could kick my ass. So I'm yes. not going to, uh, but they had a video on social media the other day where they were talking about how to pronounce it. I always thought it was Trahan. Uh, just like growing up around here, that's just how we pronounced it. So, um, <laughs> I think it's like, was it Traha? Trahan? Traha? I don't know. I mean, I sound like I'm drunk when I try to pronounce it correctly. So, um, but hey, kudos to Abby. I was absolutely stunned that she didn't get Conference USA Pitcher of the Week this year. This week, I don't know what happened, but I believe she had two shutouts, um, which is pretty tremendous. So 
kudos to her for that. All right, so let's shut it down. Special thanks to uh, all the listeners. We didn't have a guest this week. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at to the top talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington and Jason at Bumper J Bailey on Facebook and Instagram as well. Got to give some shout outs to our friends at College Sports Filtered and Drew Wick. Jason, you got some shout outs? A few shout outs here real quick. Kathy Cawthon, um, saw her at a softball game about a week back or so. Came and introduced herself to me. Super nice lady. She uh, she wanted to um, thank us for doing the interview with Wendy. Um, and you mentioned earlier Will Potosky. Uh, ran into him at Walgreens, of all places. Uh, he spoke up, introduced himself, and then he goes out that day and catches the TD pass. Karma. Um, of course, we ran into Steve Farmer and his dad at the game. So good to see those guys. They always make the drive up to the North Shore. And um, that's about it. I'm gonna get you the facility where these interviews are taking place, and you just need to go hang out and hope that some, like, <laughs> hopefully some of your magic will rub off on whoever, uh, whoever gets the job. <laughs> I'll do it. Again, The Last for Life 2019 with Frank Caliendo on August 2nd at the Sanger in Hattiesburg. Get your tickets now at laughs, the number four, life.com. Go vote April 23rd if you're in the city of Hattiesburg for the 1% Parks and Recreation proposal. Then vote for To the Top Talk for Best Local Podcast in this year's Best of the Pine Belt Awards. Voting going on right now at festivalsouth.org. If you like the show, if you want to support the show, if you want to put an ad on the show, check out patreon.com slash to the top talk. Look for To the Top Talk on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Subscribe, give us a rating and review and whatnot. Next week, hopefully we're talking about this new stud basketball coach at Southern Miss. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk.